0: back. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. I'm your host, Parker Sedeckes, and this is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life with experts uh, in those fields. I love thinking about cool stuff, so you're invited to come think with me. Today's episode is uh, really special. I have an uh, amazing guest with me, Dr. Stuart Getz. He is a professor of philosophy at, I. he just told me how to say it, but it's Ursinus. Ursinus, I believe it's Ursinus. Okay. And... Um, he's uh he does really awesome work on like c s lewis and substance dualism today we're gonna be talking about substance dualism but i i figure i have to talk about these books um he's got a, a great one called a philosophical walking tour with c s lewis and then that uh, doesn't focus but just you guys can find it on amazon and then uh one of my favorites by him is uh c s lewis uh in the in the great minds series in, for for blackwell it's really really good i love it this is how we got introduced i mm-hmm was a rabid pre supper. And I emailed him about, you know, his take on CS or on Vantill in there and all this stuff. And just an awesome charitable, you know, shouldn't probably, should not have responded to me, but an awesome guy. Um, so yeah, so I'm really excited to, to go in with him before we do that though. I want to thank everyone over on Patreon for making this podcast happen. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, if it's top, top 10, top 15, please consider becoming a Patreon patron and support the show. You can find a link in the description and then you can find a bunch of, um, I always say goodies. I, I don't know another word, um, benefits, a bunch of goodies over, uh, at different levels of support. So five bucks a month, get you this and that you can get early access to episodes when I'm ahead of schedule. Sometimes, uh, lately I have not been, but please consider becoming a Patreon patron. And, uh, that's that. Let's let's jump in and talk about substance dualism. Why we might go in for it. Uh, why it's better than the alternatives like animalism, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Dr. Guts, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey Parker, it, uh, I didn't know you
0: called yourself a pre supper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the term on the internet in the internet world.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. Very good. I'm yeah. So far out of the internet world. There
0: we go. <laughs> well, uh, Dr. Getz, man i i want to thank you for uh for being so charitable with me uh all those years back when i was when i was emailing you you we had great conversations uh o- over c s lewis and apologetic methodology and such and really appreciate it so i'm i'm pumped to to have you on here today
1: well uh I enjoyed the conversation. You're too kind. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I melt back a few things, but uh, you're, you're too kind. So.
0: <laughs> well, uh, before we jump in on, on substance dualism and philosophy of mind type stuff, uh, I just want to hear, how did you become a philosopher at all?
1: Yeah. Uh, when you, uh, you asked me to recount that, uh, I'm going way back now. Uh, it was largely uh, just talking with people uh in my dorm room stuff like that uh i just uh i was basically i was a jock who was transitioning over into uh kind of philosophy stuff and i would talk with people and um most of them said "Oh, i don't agree with you i think you're wrong and uh when they would ask me i would ask them why i'm wrong uh I found that I just enjoyed uh, the dialogue and uh, so that my road into philosophy uh, was really enjoyment. And, uh, and I was curious, you know, am I wrong? I think uh, that's maybe I was wrong. And uh, so I, but it was over topics like I wouldn't have known the term back then substance dualism, uh, libertarian free will, these things, uh, those are my kind of, what I regard as common sense beliefs. Yeah. And, uh, I had, you know, people on the floor that were just constantly challenging this stuff. And, uh, I just why? I just had taken it for granted all these years and uh, so I, I, my road into philosophy was largely uh enjoyment. okay, well,
0: that's awesome. And, and we were talking uh you know off air a little bit that you played you played hockey d1 hockey for for a, a time as well. And yes. so i I was definitely resonating with uh, the transition from from being a jock into uh, debating and philosophy and and all that good stuff. Um, you also said that you uh, spent some time with crew at Northern Illinois. And I love that because I spent some time with crew at Northern Illinois. So kindred spirits here. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm but so, so that's how you got into, uh, into philosophy. But then how about philosophy of, of mind and, uh, and the soul?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, whenever they, I would talk with my, my friends uh, in college, it was, it was about stuff like free will, uh, the self, and it was also philosophy of religion. We talked about God and the existence of God. And uh, when I did a degree, a master's degree, uh, my tutor, uh, we would talk, and uh, he, he said, Stuart, you will never do good philosophy of religion, unless you do philosophy of mind, action theory, he said, uh, he says, uh, philosophy of religion is basically parasitic on philosophy of mind and action theory. And Hmm. uh, he said, uh, you better spend some time doing those before you ever try to do philosophy of religion. And I I took it to heart. And uh, so I went to him and uh, he he started giving me readings. Uh, He knew I was a libertarian about free will. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also knew I was a dualist, substance dualist. He largely gave me material that uh, challenged this stuff, my my beliefs. Uh, But he also referred me to certain people that were sympathetic with him. Uh, And that way he was a good tutor. He was fair.
0: Yeah
1: uh but that's that was my road into uh more metaphysical stuff Uh, okay uh, it was a tutor it influenced
0: me well and you keep saying tutor so it's got to be in the uk system right? it was
1: it was it was at oxford yeah
0: yeah that's awesome i that's um i wonder how you feel about that now uh you you that advice because i picked up that advice somehow maybe it was from something jp said or um you know someone i was in correspondence with but i got the same kind of impression that if you want to be really good at philosophy of religion type stuff and you know pushing back against uh scientism type stuff you you need to get in on Phil mind and uh and how it's like this it's this one area of philosophy that none of us can deny though some try to deny and so i i thought well i want to be an expert in philosophy of mind so that's that's really interesting that you've got you got that same advice as well
1: yeah i I come out of, uh, I I was raised in a nominally Christian home. Uh, I got my feet wet, in in a sense, in uh, serious Christian uh, commitment uh, through evangelicalism. And uh, when I would read evangelicals at the time, uh, I I, I didn't come across anybody who really did philosophy of mind or, uh, you know, what I what not in the professions called action theory, uh, you know, they would, you
0: know,
1: just briefly kind of touch the stuff, but it was, n- it was never regarded. It seemed to me, I might've been wrong. It, it was never regarded as something one seriously needed to do uh, because in the end, one's religious beliefs were shaped by it. And yeah. uh, so that, I became convinced I didn't need to ask somebody directly whether they believed that God exists or not. I, I could ask them questions about the self and yeah. the will, and I could then predict almost infallibly, it seemed to me, whether they were going to be theistically inclined or not, or, you know, right. Theist. And so my tutor, uh, I just, what he said, this seemed to me to be absolutely right.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think you're right. And, in, in, uh, it's really fun talking with people who you know who hold to some kind of form of uh like causal closure and right. they don't and you know maybe they haven't studied so they don't know the word but then you go well, what about your mind do you think that you're are you interacting with your body right now is uh, do you have reasons for your action they go yeah and i go well i don't know your your view of the, the the reality of the world doesn't really seem like it can hold that and they go oh wow that's interesting yeah so i love i love philosophy of mind i love uh i'm learning to love free will stuff as well um but in in your blackwell companion to uh in the blackwell companion to substance dualism you, you have this great piece in there and just briefly you recount that uh in academic circles substance dualism is, is kind of disparaged but uh in in common sense uh regions everywhere else basically uh People Believe in the immaterial soul. Can you just recount for us, like, why, why do you think substance dualism has fallen on such hard times?
1: Yeah, I think it is because uh, the academy was taken over in a way, uh, it was, became beholden to science, and uh, so that anything that was any claim that was respectable had to be either scientifically uh, justified or had to be consistent with the findings of science. And it was just in some ways assumed that uh, common sense beliefs uh, were at odds with science. And we hear it all the time in the creation, evolution debate, you know, that's where it's most frequently formulated. But uh, as I got into the, the topics more in depth, it, it it seemed to me that every objection that was raised against, you know, the idea that God created the heavens and the earth was really uh, the same objection that I couldn't influence the motions of my body. Uh, and so that, you uh, It originates, I think, with a commitment to science. uh, The the, uh, the, largely members of the Academy have, and uh, what you mentioned, this causal closure Mm -hmm. principle—that a physical event or an event, you know, say in in our bodies, uh, a complete explanation of it, um, ideally, ideally, can be given in terms that never make reference to a psychological event of any kind whatsoever Yeah, and so the ordinary person I don't think believes anything like that Uh, uh, they believe they act for purposes, they take courses for purposes, they write books for purposes they read books for purposes, they're probably not writing many books but they read books for purposes they watch television they do everything purposefully Uh, but the academy came owned largely by people who espoused the view that uh, none of this stuff was possible. Yeah. And people in the academy, when you talk to them about uh, choices, thought, pleasure, and pain, uh, they automatically assume uh, that that stuff is rooted in a soul uh, and thereby, if we don't act for purposes, if we can't make free choices, uh, if our thought doesn't influence our physical bodies in any way, it's, uh, it, it cashes out in terms of uh, there's just no soul to do these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something that, um, something that really helps me out at a crucial moment uh, in my intellectual journey. Uh, back in college, I think, or maybe a couple of years after, I was reading C.S. Lewis's essays, and I've come to really love his essays, and I try to read them. I try to read through his big, thick book of essays uh, once a year. Yeah. And uh, he's got this essay, Meditation in a Tool Shed. Yes. And he's got, you know, the the looking at and looking along. And so he, he talks about in the corner of the shed, there's light that comes through. You, you go in there, it's nice and dark, but you can see the beam, and you can look at the beam in like a third personal kind of way, in a scientific way, and study it. Or you can turn your head, and you can look along the beam. And, um, I'm not sure if he's fully get, going in on philosophy of mind stuff, but he's, he's talking about these two different perspectives on things. And, and that just helped me realize, Hey, look, you know, there's the, the water is, is boiling. Why is the water boiling? Well, because at this barometric pressure and, and all this stuff, the, the water will boil and it will turn from, uh, liquid to, to gas. Or you could say, Hey, I was, I was making tea. Do you want some? And so the, the Lewis helped me understand the the personal explanation Versus like the physical explanation and um, this third person first person type uh, distinction and I think that's it seems like the focus has been on the third person let's let's get rid of this folk psychology type first person stuff does that seem does it seem right
1: okay yeah and uh, you know you should know I did write those two books you again two too kind gracious to put, put my books up there on the screen. Uh, I came to Lewis fairly late in life, okay? I, I, I had read a little bit of Lewis when I was younger, uh, but I didn't really get into Lewis until, uh, oh, golly, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago now. and uh, And I quickly realized that he had a grasp of this thing called naturalism, Mm-hmm. that uh, he was way ahead of his time, Parker, yeah. in that, uh, way ahead of his time. Uh, he saw he, and he understood naturalism And yes, that looking along versus looking at he in his, in his way, you know, he just, he wrote in so many genres that, yeah. uh, and, and, and that was his way of expressing that, uh, the scientist looks at and, and tries to exclude the looking along, mm. uh, it's a view that's just for, you know, decades now uh, has controlled uh, what I call the academy.
0: Yeah. Well, so with that in mind, I thought we could go over a couple of reasons uh, why you think that people ought to be substance dualists from, from, again, from the uh, Blackwell Companion to substance dualism yeah. chapter. And uh, you go over, uh, you know, two thinkers, uh, Descartes and Chisholm. And Descartes goes in for this direct awareness. Um, so I thought we could start with Descartes first. And just a just a freebie for me here. Uh, what what do you make of, of Descartes' cogito? Do you think that's a successful argument, or and people it I've re- I thought that it was just ruled out, and now every time I ask someone, it's like fifty fifty. People, some people are like, yeah, it's great, and other people are like, no, it's no, it's bogus.
1: Yeah, I, is it a, is it a valid, sound argument? I'm, I mean, I'm inclined to think so, but I'm yeah. I'm not. You need to, you know, I'll put my cards on the table. I'm not a thoroughgoing Cartesian. Uh, yeah. So that I don't think people go through a toke type argument. Uh, I, I just think uh, they're just directly aware of themselves. They need no argument to know mm. that they exist. They just know that they exist. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and And so that I don't spend a lot of time On that aspect of Descartes, it just seems to me I'm directly aware of myself and that I exist. I need no argument for that. Yeah. Uh, And it's not that I choose to believe that I exist. You know, it's not it's nothing like that. I'm just directly aware that I exist. And I'm sympathetic with Descartes. I Think uh, I'm just aware of myself as a soul. Uh, I mean, you know, you get sophisticated people. I'm not a Cartesian, especially. I'm the, a specialist in Descartes. Uh, the way I read him is, I think he was inclined that way. But he gets, you know, so many of these people, they can get off writing and they get off on tangents and all this. I, I don't <laughs> think Descartes believed you really needed an argument like that to know that he exists. I think he's trying to uh, do some type of methodological doubt exercise as a philosopher. But yeah. So I, I think I'm just directly aware of myself as a soul. And that's where I start. I don't choose to start there. I just, I can't help but start there.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I wonder what about um what about a naturalist who whos I'm says sorry, who? a naturalist or okay. a phys- physicalist or, or yeah. whoever who says, "Look, I yeah, that's great for you i don't I don't uh, have direct awareness that I'm a soul. I think that that I'm uh, multiple drafts of you know of my mind yeah. and like a, in a in a Dennett fashion how do, how do we how do we argue with folks about these type of direct awareness intuition type debates?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I've never been one to try and persuade other people uh, that they're wrong. In other words, I'll have my views, and uh, they, you know, I let them come after me. So I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not one to go out and try and persuade Daniel Dennett of anything, uh, mm-hmm. uh, nor Richard Dawkins, nor you know many of these other people. Uh, I think it's fairly well agreed upon that we all do start out substance dualists. Uh, I I, I think the evidence for that is pretty convincing. Hmm. Uh, In my work, I quote a guy up at Yale, a psychologist named Paul Bloom. And uh, Bloom says, we all are born uh, dualists, substance dualists. That's just the way we see the world. Uh, Buddhists, uh, they readily concede, we think of ourselves, as substantial souls. Mm. Like those uh, many in the academy today, the the Buddhists will say, but what we think initially is wrong. It's erroneous. It's an illusion. Um, They get get different reasons for that than people in the Western academy. But I I think it's fairly well agreed upon that uh, everybody starts out uh, substance dualists, and I say everybody, you're going to find certain people that are going to say, No, 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 I don't. But, uh, uh, I think most naturalists will concede that these are our intuitions, and okay. they call those intuitions uh, into question. And so, that uh, when I do philosophy, I look for Common ground in the common ground for which I look is how do things seem to us, yeah. And I think it's again readily widely widely agreed that uh, we think of ourselves as souls that have bodies. I mean, you know, you can't read anything like I think I don't know if I mentioned it like, I, in that uh it, article, a chapter in the book you just cited. So, uh, the Blackwell companion thing, but I mean, just take a look at JK Rowling when she writes the Harry Potter stories. I mean, she talks about, you know, you have to suck out the souls of people, you know, I I mean, you know, nobody reading those books says, Oh man, this is, this is crazy stuff. What is a soul or whatever. They they understand what she's talking about. Yeah. uh, But you might think of it as, well, things like that don't actually happen, but nevertheless, they don't sit there and say, no, 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 it's all conceptually incoherent.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. It's still conceivable, and if we didn't yeah. have these intuitions, then these books wouldn't be so popular. And right. then,
1: they wouldn't be so popular. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I can't remember if you did. not I've I've heard you say that uh, in writing somewhere. I can't remember which one uh, it was in, but I, I love that. Yeah, the Dementor sucking out Harry's soul. If that yeah. can make sense, then we're, we got the,
1: the ball rolling already. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so yeah. – I look for common ground, and uh, I think the common ground is you will find most people that do philosophy in ordinary people without a question. They start out substance dualists, or they clearly understand the view, Mm. and uh, we don't have to really make much of a case. For that, what we have to do is look at their arguments that they provide as to why the view is uh, not defensible or yeah. uh, can't be justified. If you uh, know, okay.
0: Um, so, so in focusing on the the seemings, the common sense, the the folk psychology type stuff, um, is there is there a certain tradition that you've that you've studied in that that's helped you with that, or um, do you attribute that more to like your your Christian faith? Is this like, were you trained by phenomenologists who say, like, take take what we see, or, or, common sense uh, philosophers, or is this just kind of like how you've always been?
1: Uh, pretty much how I've always been. Uh, I took, I would say, a lot of uh, proverbial heat in the academy for uh, you know defending these views. Right. Uh, I'm at a I'm at a secular school, uh, and you know, you start talking about this stuff and. People just shake their heads, you know. And uh but I didn't really, it was my tutor at Oxford that got me interested in the material. Yeah. And uh I didn't, you know, I want to be you know very clear about this. I didn't believe in the soul because I was a Christian. Yeah, I became Christian because I believed in the soul. Wow. Uh, And you know, you talk with a lot of people, and they, think, oh, you believe in the soul? You must be religious. And my response is, no, you got that backwards. Uh, I'm religious because I believe in the soul. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, I don't want to, don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here. But, but when did that happen for you? Was that, was that college uh, after these debates with with people on your floor and stuff, and you came to believe that the soul is that you do have a soul, or you not believe, but continue to believe? I guess
1: yeah i continued to believe and i i mean i was you know look at i'm i'm i was a really a former jock i didn't think about i and uh yeah. i was just amazed when i started talking about this stuff and found that uh, you know people would think well when they hear the word soul or something like that they say, well you're that's because you're religious yes Stu, and uh I would have to go back and think about that, and I be, I came to the conclusion uh, nobody not because anybody told me this I did I did a lot of uh, kind of Cartesian just sitting in my room thinking about this Yeah, I said no, no, I I believe I'm a soul, and that leads me to religious my religious convictions, yeah. uh, not yeah. the other way around. Just, you know. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, uh, I wonder if we could characterize. Cartesian substance dualism. um I know you're you're, you're not uh, a Cartesian yourself, and this could be yeah, very... going.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Right. Yeah, if there is such an animal out there. You know, uh, mm. a, a pure Cartesian. I'm, I'm I'm clearly not a pure Cartesian, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, an ego. It's just an ego floating around. That's yeah, the pure, yeah, the yeah, I mean, yeah. So. Uh, I just want to be clear, I, but you know, I, yeah, I'm with that card. There's a soul. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, he, he says, uh, right in the meditations, the introduction to the meditations, the prophets, whatever that, uh, you know, he, when he uses the word mind he takes it to me, refer to the same thing as the word soul does. And so yeah. you know, I'm partesian. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Does,
1: does, um,
0: does, is the soul like, is it a simple thing? Is it a muriological simple? I guess this kind of gets us into Chisholm a little bit too.
1: Yeah, I uh when the more I thought about it and uh yeah, I think the idea that the soul uh would have what I would call substantial parts to it, or whatever, is just uh no, it doesn't. Uh when one gets into reading the philosophical literature over the you know the millennia on this, uh the general uh, consensus is again the soul is something uh, simple. I mean, you know, Plato thinks and Descartes thought that I mean, this is what separates it from the uh, material world. Uh, yeah. Uh, the material objects, Descartes' view, it seems to me, you know, they're just by definition anything that's divisible into parts, and the soul's not that way. Yeah, uh, you know, just the person walking around the street is a soul body dualist thinking those terms. Ah. Uh, not explicitly, I would say no. Uh, yeah. But I think it's implicit if they get interested in the topic. Okay, so so that's the
0: there's these two reasons you give for for um, holding to or, or coming to or believing in substance dualism. And the first is Descartes' direct awareness, and then the second is, is Chisholm's no separable parts. Yeah. Um, so, uh, man, I, I wonder: is the soul? Does the soul have? Proper parts? Does it have parts that just they're just not separate? They're inseparable parts, or is it like a straight up actual muriological simple? Do you do you come down on that? Do you do you have an, a strong opinion one way or the other?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, the way I word it, whether it's you know strictly speaking correct, I think it's okay. Is that the, the soul is a substantial simple? It has no proper parts in the sense that are separable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has a multiplicity of properties, which uh, I would think of more in terms of powers, uh, okay. capacities. And so it's it's complex in, at the level of properties, uh, but it's simple at the level of substance. And I, again, I think that's just, I'm with Descartes on that. I think that was Descartes' view. Uh, I think it was, I think it would go back through Augustine to Plato. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, that that's that's really helpful. I I wonder about. I keep saying I wonder, and my wife, uh, my wife I mentioned. I wonder a lot. Yeah, I wonder yeah. Lot. yeah. No, don't be
1: to wonder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's great. I appreciate that. My wife gave me a hard time the other day about saying I wonder so much in the podcast. No, no, I <laughs> yeah, no. So the soul, does the soul have? A capacity for memories, um, because some uh, this is an argument that people will use against substance dualism. They'll say, "Look, substance dualism can't be true because uh, we got this guy who got a rod shoved up through his brain, and he, he his whole attitude changed." Or you think about memory loss. Um, and then yeah. um, Dr. Uh, Michael Humer came on, and he believes in a soul. He's a substance dualism dualist himself, though he's he's non non-religious. But he would say that uh, the the memories likewise are. Are stored in the brain and so when the soul leaves all the memories leave as well but I, I take it that's not uh that's not your view right would 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 the soul remember stuff
1: uh yeah i i you know a lot of times you're gonna you might wonder a lot a lot of times i'm gonna say uh, I'm, I'm not sure about how sure. All this works uh but yeah i think the soul has the capacity to remember it as the you know the uh, and what is it accessing uh, when it remembers? Well, it's clearly accessing what you know, we think of contents about our past and whether the brain in some way uh, we might think encodes that so that uh, our memories are causally tied to the brain. I don't see anything in principle to exclude that, uh, but I also uh, don't see anything in principle myself, to think that the soul couldn't remember it disembodied if it, you know, if it ever becomes disembodied. Uh, yeah. So that I don't know some of this stuff is. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I always say the soul-body relationship is incredibly mysterious, and yeah. no, we shouldn't be. My mind, uh, anyway afraid or ever to admit that there's a lot of things we don't understand how it works uh you know one could know what one is uh without it all being confident about how one relates to a bunch of other things yeah i that's that's really
0: helpful that's that's um a constant reminder that i need that you can have really good arguments for things and still hold to mystery still and and justifiably and say like this it makes sense why this is a mystery
1: yeah I, i mean uh, when I was a graduate student again, uh, and I started, I don't know how, I didn't know to get back. I got, I got off on uh, David Hume and uh, Malebranche, this French guy, thinking about you know, do we move our bodies? I mean, I'll never forget. And I said, I said they, were, they were basically challenging me, these historical figures. Well, how do you move your body? And I got into this just absolute not tying corner. I mean, and uh, I came away thinking, am I aware of moving my body? Uh, mm. No, I'm not directly aware. I mean, if we take science to be, in some sense, providing us information about uh, what goes on when uh, my arm moves and uh, in, in the origins of that movement, at least when we do... Uh, you know, neurological studies—the origins are the motor section of the brain. Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, am I aware of causing events in the motor <laughs> section of my brain when I go to move my arm? No, yeah, not in the least. Not so. Do I believe I move my arm? Well, in my non-occasionalist moments, yeah. I mean, I always mm-hmm. think, but you know, when you come right down to it, uh, how do I move my arm? I don't know what to say in response to that. Yeah, certainly not directly aware of anything. Mm. Yeah that <laughs> that is good. Uh,
0: yeah, that's good. There's a lot of different directions I want to go. I I think I want to I want to jump back really quick on the memory stuff and just think about okay uh, the role of of other evidence and commitments and and how that might shape our our other our views such as substance dualism. So like. Near-death experiences. If we if we do take any any of those to be reliable ever, it seems like a lot of those where, where people have disembodied experiences. They remember stuff, or they see something on top of uh, a cabinet that is too high for them to see while they're on the the operating table or something. It seems like they're they're having these memories. Mm-hmm. And then likewise with um with the like re- with a resurrected body. If we are uh, you know essentially our soul, and God gives us a, a new body, um, which is not. Identical because the the identity thesis is is uh, really weird when it comes to Christian theologians. The physicalism, because yeah. if if I if this body gets eaten by a shark, uh, and then Christ comes back tomorrow, it's like does that material get sucked out of the side of the shark?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I, again, yeah, you're gonna find I'm somebody who thinks we we, we literally get a new body. I don't right. Not,
0: yeah. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I, one know, of my I don't friends... want this
1: one back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh one of one of my friends uh, he's been on the podcast as well j t turner that um him and and one of his colleagues has, has written against your view because they're they're uh, materialists uh christian physicalists i mean and uh and i brought up this the shark problem for him all the time what if i get eaten by a shark uh what what happens but i think the memory view uh for the substance duelist we i think we'd we'd have to say that the soul has the capacity to, me- to have memories because if god Gives us a brand new body. It's still our body because it's our soul embodying yep. it. But we we wouldn't have those memories if they weren't somehow encoded in the actual soul. Right. What, what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, it seems intuitively most. I I would say that uh, I could, in principle, whether I will or not, I don't know. Uh, but in principle, I could remember what went on in this life, even though I have a different body. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. And,
1: uh, I think that that's, again, just a very commonsensical uh, position uh, so that my memories can't be uh, ontologically identical with something that's in, in this body. Uh, yeah. And so that when this body gets destroyed, my memories uh, you know, are, are just gone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, but again, I don't want to commit myself. I, I've puzzled over it. will I remember things that happened in this life uh, when I'm, uh, you know, uh, with with God and in, in in the afterlife. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: man i i would I would want to say I want to say yes, and I understand. I understand the the uh, not wanting to commit yourself. And I'm I'm way less careful than I probably should be, and I'm learning more yeah. and more to 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 be more careful with my commitments and what I'm what I'm really committing myself to defending, and and
1: yeah, um, okay. Well, I wanted yeah. to. Talk- well, it, this is when I say I'm not yeah. committed to. It. I mean, do I think that I'll remember things in this life? I don't see any reason to say no, but I again, I I just find the idea. Of the afterlife is uh it's it's a place where i'm going to be perfectly happy mm-hmm. uh, i'm confident of that but you start asking me to fill in the details on that, <laughs> Parker, and, that, and i just i'm going to say i don't know
0: yeah that's good um i wanted to continue on with with how how we should talk or how you talk about the soul um mm-hmm. do you think the do you think the soul is spatially located
1: yeah, I do. No, okay. See, that's where I'm not Cartesian. Yeah. Uh, again, I love Descartes. Mm-hmm. Does, you know, can you find a sentence in Descartes where he just comes out and says, "Look at the soul is not spatially located"? I, I don't think I've ever found such a sentence. And, uh, but, I think the implication of his views, what he does say, is that uh, the soul is in some sense nowhere. Uh, but, yeah, I, up, up until Descartes, I think it was the commonly accepted view that the soul is located in its physical body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and he goes, well, why would one think that? Well, I have my answer is it's just the way it seems, it's just the way it feels. Yeah. It feels in like the, I'm uh, here. Yeah. Sorry? It feels like
0: I'm here yeah. in this room talking with you. Absolutely.
1: It yeah. feels like, a, I mean, Descartes in the meditations, he's clear. It feels to us like we fill – the space of our physical bodies. Uh, yeah. Proprioception, you know, this idea that it, that's just the way it feels. And so I, I think I'm literally in space and occupy the space of my physical body.
0: Yeah. How about um, the language of bodily souls? that That's um, coming up a little bit more from some of my friends, my professors as well. Do you, do you go in for that language? Would you say that we're bodily souls or, or do you think that we, we have actual... Is the body a substance and the, the um, souls a substance <laughs> as well?
1: Yeah, I have this piece of paper. I, I printed out, you know, your questions to help me through this. and nice. uh, And you, you, had down here. Would you say we are bodily souls? And I put down, I don't know. What does it mean <laughs> to say we are bodily souls? So you help me there. What, what, yeah, what, yeah. Well, what I'll do
0: my. Yeah, I'll I'll do my best here. I, I'll I'll represent. Try to represent the view well. So I think the view is that the, uh, the body is a mode of the soul. And uh, the soul is the substance. That's like mm-hmm. who, who we are. The body is a, a mode with uh, properties and uh, various exemplification relations such that there's like, there's really only one substance. Uh, the body is, is, is composed of inseparable parts. So if you lose your hand, it's not really your hand anymore. It's a corpse hand. Uh, when you die it's not really your body so a body can't be a disembodied soul it uh it's a corpse so it's it's you have to play some semantics there and say look strictly speaking there that's not your body anymore if you're not in it because a body is an ensouled thing
1: yeah that sounds to me and you can you can help me here, but that sounds to me like the soul gives life or being to its body uh such that the soul's not associated with it or informing it in some way informing yeah yeah and uh no i again i'm gonna i don't see any reason why we should tell descartes he was wrong Hmm. uh that the the body isn't a substance in its own right and uh, it operates under mechanistic principles uh I'm not aware of informing my body. Uh, I'm hmm. not aware of giving life to my body. Uh, so that—that that seems to me to go beyond what introspective awareness delivers. And uh, you got—you've you got some kind of philosophical reason driving that to say something like that. It's something not accessible to introspection. Interesting. OK. And uh, so I'm uh, I'm open to hearing the arguments for it, but I'm not committed to it. Yeah. OK. So um, how,
0: there's I think it's a I think it's a false um, a, attribution to Lewis. I don't think he actually said this, but may, maybe he did. But people at least think that Lewis said this. It appears to them that he said it. Um, Lewis, maybe following like McDonald or someone says uh I'm not my body. I am my soul, and I have a body. And when I leave, it'll be like so much uh, hair clippings on the floor. Are you you familiar with this quote? No. Okay. Well, so a lot of people will, in at least in evangelical circles, will say, "Look, C.S. Lewis said, you know, you're not your, you have a body, but you don't have a soul. You are your soul." Yeah, and there's
1: some. I think that's Lewis's view. Okay.
0: And uh, you would you say that as well? What What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I use it in my books. Uh, I think it's in a letter of Lewis's to uh, to someone. Uh, this woman's asking him, what is a soul? And mm. uh, Lewis's response is, I am.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know that, that quote. Yeah. yeah, that's good.
1: And uh, so that, yeah, if I, I mean, your question is now about Lewis. Uh, he just thinks he is a soul. That's what he is. Uh, and I uh I take it Lewis, again, best of my knowledge, didn't explicitly commit himself to, uh, well, you know, your expression here, are we bodily souls or are we more of a Cartesian on these things? I mean, Lewis, if anything, Parker, my read of him is he leaned toward idealism.
0: Yeah, it seems like because that's, that's who his, his tutors were when he was in school. Yeah,
1: uh, so that— uh, Lewis, if he weren't a dual, a substance dual, I mean, he would have been an idealist. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so uh, uh, I just take Lewis on that to be more straightforwardly, I think, just Cartesian. I don't know if he gave a lot of thought to it. Uh, yeah. That the, the body is a substance in its own right.
0: Okay. So, um, how about you? Like, do you do? You, would you tell someone? Would you counsel someone if someone wrote you a letter and said, "Dr. Getz, uh No, nobody writes me letters. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is going to be on YouTube. Maybe someone will write you. Uh, if, if if they said, "Dr. Getz, uh, what is a soul?" Would you re- could you reply likewise with Lewis and say, "Dear lady, uh, you know I am."
1: Yeah, that's
0: what I would say. Okay, so yes. so do you use language of like essentiality or anything like I'm essentially a soul. Who
1: has a body? Yeah, I would think I'm essentially a soul and uh, I'm accidentally an animal, be the way I would put it. Gotcha. Better. Gotcha. Or, you know, an animal uh, would be a soul that has a body, you know, the way we think of it. And, uh, you know, I'm a human animal as opposed to being a canine animal or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah.
0: Okay. This is great because you're good at this. This is a perfect transition into animalism and what I want wow. to ask you about wow. that. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dr. Alex Proust, Alexander Proust, uh, in a recent blog post, he he, he brought up that, uh, just mentioned that he thinks animalism is like our best uh, theory of persons right now. And so I wanted to bring this up because that's almost uh, QED. You know, that's almost like if yeah. Alex Proust says it, you know,
1: holy cow, I don't want to disagree with Alex Proust. Um yeah, uh, uh, full disclosure, I haven't read what you've read, so I don't know what he says.
0: Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a short blog post. Um, he's just considering different options, and, and that's kind of his big thing. He's great at charting the logical space. Um, can you help us understand for, for the listeners, like, what, what is animalism? What's the hardcore of it?
1: Yeah, I, I take an it animalism. We're fundamentally uh, biological or, I'm, I'm fundamentally a biological organism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, this biological organism has a uh, kind of like a principle of life, a life-giving principle to it That's uh, that organizes the parts of my body in, in, in such a way that the organism uh, remains alive. And then when the, uh, the life principle... Uh, Terminates, ends, uh, whatever uh, I I am. And and so animalism, I'm fundamentally an organism uh, that whose principle of organization is, uh, you know, is a a life, something like that.
0: Okay. To me... To me, that sounds—it um, sounds like they're vitalists a little bit. And I know that vitalism is like something you can charge people with. Like, we don't believe in vitalism anymore. You believe in vital? What do you do? You know, like what? What do they posit as that life principle? What? Because if you slip in a soul, and now you want to be a substance dualist—that makes uh, a little bit more sense. But what? What do they go in for?
1: I don't know. You're asking the wrong person on that <laughs> one. I, I don't quite get the view myself. Uh, okay, I'm with you on that yeah so that uh I would you know you'd be better off asking one of them uh exactly what they think about that i've always found found the view to be hard to uh get my my hands on you know and all yeah it, uh,
0: but so you you said that that we could think of ourselves um accidentally as animals um i wonder if if being a substance duelist and and having uh i said i wonder again. And that's right. Yeah. (laughs) And being uh, an an animal, do we run into the the two thinkers problem as well? Like, do we, does does our body think and our soul think? No, our
1: bodies don't think. uh, our, Our bodies don't have, you know, don't have psychological capacity. Their psychological life is rooted in the soul, is the way I would look at it.
0: Yeah. I would think so too. Do, does that commit us to thinking that, like, my uh, my parents' dogs have souls as well?
1: I don't see why not. Uh, yeah. I'm not Cartesian again there. If we take Descartes to be of hell that dogs and cats don't have souls. I yeah, automaton
0: or something, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't. Uh, if dogs and cats feel, if they experience pain, uh they must have a soul okay okay
0: so i used to be really uh i don't know perturbed or or skeptical of that but i think actually reading descartes helped me a little bit not with the automaton bit but with him saying we're essentially you know this rational thing and so it helped me think through look having a dog having a soul isn't a big deal unless you think that all souls are the same, unless you think that the dog is the same soul as me. But he doesn't have a rational human soul, an image bearer of God's soul. He's a dog's soul. It's okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, you go all the way back to Aristotle. I mean, Aristotle thought there were different kinds of souls. I mean, he wasn't, best as we get the sense, I think, my read of Aristotle, he's not a substance dualist, although he has these uh, odd passages you know where he talks about the uh, rationality in some sense separable from the body or whatever but uh but he, he clearly thought there were different kinds of souls i think historically most people did up until you get to descartes and uh, he carves things up a little bit differently on that but uh, yeah yeah, it doesn't bother me. I don't see why it should bother me. Maybe yeah. it should. You know, maybe <laughs> I should. Maybe I should wonder like you do. You know, what I, mean? but, uh, I just haven't had any objection. Uh,
0: yeah,
1: well, convince me that I, sh- I should say no to uh, my former dog having a soul.
0: Yeah, I think that if if you also if you go in for like um like you do if you go in for like Chisholm's no separable parts then we can make sense of this because yeah not every soul is just this like wholly, purely muriological, simple. It's just, it's, it's uh, simple and that it doesn't have separable parts. And so the dog soul can have different uh, properties and capacities right. than a human soul.
1: Right. That seems yeah. absolutely uh, right to me. I don't... Yeah, I mean, you know, look, Des- Descartes focused so much on rationality. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, here again is why I wrote the books on Lewis. I like Lewis. Lewis said, you would much rather live in a world where there's pleasure experience and then just in a perfectly, uh, in a world where there's just nothing but reason.
0: Yeah, uh, right. It'd be and, all just perfect shapes or
1: something and be he, so boring. He, then, yeah, I mean, uh, Descartes was so preoccupied, it seems to me in a way, with reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and yeah, and there's no question that we do reason. Uh, I mean, that was Lewis's argument against naturalism, with reason. But... I don't know. I, I got into philosophy because I enjoyed it, and my reasoning provided me with pleasure. And uh, so that if a dog or a cat experiences pleasure, I, to me, it must have a soul.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Doctor Getz, I, I think this is something that that Lewis does so well uh, in in two of his books. I think in in Miracles, he do, he's got the argument from reason really famously, and yeah. he's he's going against um he's going against naturalism. He's he's he's, he's, he's He's actually saying everyone else uh, deprioritizes reason because there's this big R reason and you're actually not rational enough unless you think that we can engage in the, the cosmic mind that, that created everything. And then he, in uh, abolition, the abolition of man, he's, he's also saying, look, reason is not everything. And you also have these emotions yeah. and you do have these things that you can't eliminate because that's, that's the heart of man. You, you have no chest if you are right. just this rational being who's cut out your, your heart thought that was really good two correctives uh like stay away from both of these ditches
1: yeah you know when i was writing when i was when i got into lewis uh again i stumbled onto lewis seriously uh in my serious interest i was heading up for a fall break with my wife to go visit uh, her family on cape cod and i well i didn't take any books with me i just thought there was this great bookstore up there in the hyannis you know, massachusetts and uh, i picked up about five lewis paperbacks and huh. uh I got it. I started reading Lewis and what grabbed me about Lewis was his treatment of pleasure. He, hmm. uh, he, and he believed it was good. And, uh, and I, I, I said, no, I just don't, this is really, I just this guy's, I, I said, he's a philosopher. Hmm. Uh, I didn't know anything about him really. I said, this guy's a philosopher. Uh, and then the more I got into the Lewis literature, I realized it was a whole new world to me. I discovered all this secondary literature written about Lewis. Yeah, and I was astounded. Nobody treated the man as a philosopher. I mean, ser- I mean, I say nobody. Nobody was really writing serious. Uh, pretty much nobody not serious works on Lewis as a philosopher. In the in the two or three that did, nobody touched him. Uh, his views on pleasure and pain
0: yeah.
1: as being uh, pleasure intrinsically good and pain intrinsically evil. Mm-hmm. You you could read certain people who are famous for writing on Lewis, you and you never find the word pleasure once in, in, in everything I write about Lewis. And I thought, man, this is really weird because it just permeates everything that he writes. And so Lewis uh, – was Cartesian in the sense that uh this you know he knew the importance that we reason and you couldn't reason your way to naturalism without refuting naturalism he thought uh but he, he really was interested in the pleasure of life and uh that accompanies the reasoning and accompanies so many other things I don't know how he got off and all that but uh, <laughs> that's great that's fantastic uh,
0: what it seems it seems like for Lewis. Um a lot of like like me, I love the argument from reason. But to him, it it when I read him, it seems like it's like the base level. Just yeah, obviously we have to reason. If you can't reason, if if you're a physicalist, I think sometimes he he targets against determinism as well. But I like his stuff on physicalism because I'm a theological determinist. But um that's the base level. That's if you just stop with the reason, like you're missing so much well, of man. our experience.
1: Yeah, and uh yeah, well, Lewis would just give a hearty answer yes to what you just said. <laughs> life isn't about reasoning. And mm. uh, it just, that's not, we're created in his view to be happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's the, and that's a typical Christian view uh, where the purpose of life is to be happy. We're created for happiness in the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did not think happiness consisted of reasoning.
0: Yeah, this is uh, this is something I, I I definitely want to have you back on to talk about more is the uh, the meaning of life type stuff. Uh, some sometimes people will give philosophers a hard time and say, look, uh, the classical guys really meant they got into the meaning of life, and people today, analytic tradition especially, is just doesn't care about meaning of life. And I want to say, well, you know, look at Stuart Getz, This guy's been talking about meaning of life for a while now. Um, yes, f- analytic philosophers are still talking about meaning of life. So um you, you got to come back on it and, and talk about meaning of life type stuff
1: yeah you? that's been my recent uh area of interest yeah i started i started teaching a course probably about 20 years ago now i couldn't find courses on the meaning of life uh i mm-hmm. mean in uh so I, I was one of i think the first in the country to kind of cook up a course on the meaning of life and it was genuinely cooked up okay <laughs> I, and, and uh you know, coming out of logical positivism into naturalism, uh, people just really disparage the idea of the meaning of life, you know. Uh, and the dam broke on this one about uh, 20, 25 years ago, roughly. And mm-hmm. uh, of all people who started writing about it, it was really the naturalist crowd that started writing about meaning of life. Would you and say that's Nagel
0: were... or did, did Thomas Nagel start that or who?
1: Yeah, Nagel was in there on the ground floor, and he's not really a you know, pure thoroughgoing naturalist, sure. uh, but he was in there. Uh, but it was it was largely atheists, agnostics writing about this topic, and a lot of them were naturalistically inclined that way. Okay, uh, and there there were hardly any theists we're even in the game i mean yeah. it was just i was amazed uh yeah john cottingham over in england john uh, was writing a bit on this uh but you you couldn't you you would spend a lot of time trying to find where any any theists in this so i got uh, i got interested in the question and uh I, uh, this is why I stumbled. Uh, I came across Tim Mawson in, uh, at St. Peter's College in Oxford, and mm-hmm. uh, he and I have been doing a seminar now for six years running on the topic, and they finally theists are getting in the in the game on this. Yeah. But you, know, you think who would be in the right. game on this? And one's a natural, I think, response to be, "Well, it'd be these Christian theists? They all right. believe, in it, but nobody was writing on it. It was yeah. just, it was just." Uh, a mind boggling
0: situation. <laughs> yeah. it well, it really was. I, uh, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's, it should have been our bread and butter, probably. And um, likewise with, with mind stuff, I think, probably too. Yeah. Mind and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I had a couple more things on, on animalism um, that just, just thinking why we might favor, um, why we might favor dualism over animalism. Uh, but, but first, why would, why would someone pick animalism over, over dualism? You, you interact with uh, Eric Olson. I don't know if you have yeah. this divisibility argument on top of your mind. If not, don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, not really. I, I, I think it comes down to something like Eric Olson would say, I think, uh, that he just naturally believes he's an animal. Uh, okay. you know, that, that this is a, this is some kind of basic belief that he has. And, uh, when I wrote my piece in response to him, they asked uh, John Luce over there in, the, in Morland. they asked me to give the response to Olson and Animalism. And, uh, uh, you know, it, when you read the piece again, I reread it last night because when you sent me this, I said, man, I haven't read this since I wrote it. I don't even remember <laughs> what I said. And so I went back and reread what I've written. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what to say to somebody like Olson, uh except that when he says animalism is just a basic belief that most people don't share that basic belief yeah uh most people are are substance dualists and uh the divisibility argument yeah it would be uh i mean it seemed to me that he doesn't provide any good answer when I reread what I would written. Uh, it's, uh, even the life principle has parts, and one one comes away wondering, well, what unifies these parts? I mean, he's looking what unifies the parts of the body, the material body. Answer: Well, the life that the body has. So you mm-hmm. think, well, I've got the life here. Maybe that's like a soul, but then when you when you read it, now the life itself seems to have event parts. Yeah. And then you wonder, well what unifies those, and it gets uh, just, i just mean, i'm again, I don't understand very well how that all's supposed to work, but uh, I don't think the animalist view is the common uh the ordinary person's view,
0: yeah, I think you're right and and you talk about uh just briefly, I think you talk about the persistent- persistence conditions for animalism yeah. versus dualism, yeah. and it just seems like um well maybe you can help us out here, like why. Why would a dualist have the upper hand on the animalist concerning? Uh, well,
1: the dualist has the, the most straightforward answer uh, in the sense that what what is it that persists through time? And it's just the numerically same soul. Uh, because of persistence through time, you want to know if you have something here at time t one, yeah, uh, and it supposedly exists later at you know time t n down here. Well, if it's The numerically same thing, the natural, uh, uh, you actually look for, well, what's numerically the same? And the the dualist uh, just has a straightforward answer here. Well, it's the numerically same soul. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, boy, you you jettison that kind of answer. Uh, You just say, that's not acceptable. It's wrong or whatever. And, uh, boy, then it becomes really a mystery, I think, in a way. Well, what is numerically the same? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I love that argument. One thing, as a one thing, as a Christian, it's been thinking about the soul, thinking about conversion, and uh, even you know we talked about the soul can um, the soul has his capacities and properties. I want um, when you go through a conversion process for me, it was it was pretty dramatic. I grew up as a Christian, but didn't really fully give my my trust and my life to the yeah. Lord till I was at NIU, and I felt like a different person. I, I felt like my my desires had shifted and changed and the Lord had changed me. Does, did my soul take on new properties? You know, and, and in the Bible it says, uh, you know, we're, we're new, we're a new creation. And whether, now we have to understand, you know, is that uh, speaking metaphorically or are you literally something new? And, and does that mess with our persistence conditions going through a radical conversion?
1: Well, I think not. I mean, okay. you know, you'd have you'd be literally if, if it messed with your persist, your identity persistence conditions. No, you're the same self. Okay, uh, with the same, the same very same capacities, powers. Uh, you just now find pleasure in thinking about different things. I mean, you've made a choice in a way to renounce certain sources of. Uh, pleasure or whatever you uh, you've made a you've made a choice to live a different kind of life but you have to be the numerically same self yeah uh i mean you know, what fascinates me is some of these cases you, you you know i'm old enough to remember back in the uh, 70s there was some organization called the uh, i think it was called students for democratic society or something like that and there was that it was a anti-war group that was violent or whatever and there was this, I think it was this woman up in Minneapolis area, or whatever. I mean, something like forty years later, the neighbors couldn't believe the police pull up outside her house and go in and arrest her and bring her out. And uh, I think she was a mother of a couple of kids or whatever. And then all the neighbors are perplexed. Oh, what in the world is going on? Well, she had driven the vehicle that uh, that had led to, I think, something like that other people in the car had shot somebody or whatever. And, wow. and, and but our legal system has no reservations about thinking she was the numerically same person who drove the vehicle right. thirty-five or forty years ago. Uh, and, then, and then the philosopher comes along and says, "Well, <laughs> what, what makes that possible?" Yeah. Uh, And I think the dualist has the most straightforward answer on that. Well, she's the numerically same soul. Yeah. Did her personality change? Apparently so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we don't think the personality is the self. Uh, The self can take on different personalities. Yeah. If, if the, if the
0: numerically same substance or the soul that, that part, um, if that did take on a new capacity, whether you go with Augustine's, you know, non passé Bacari, you sound really smart if you can use the Latin on those. Yeah. Uh, but if 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 prior to conversion, I can't. I don't know. Um, if whatever, if I can gain a new capacity, that doesn't change the the substantial soul, right? That just maybe it does. I don't know. What what do you make of that, do, Does our soul change at all?
1: Well, yeah. I don't. I uh, the fundamental powers or capacities. I don't think change. There's nothing, okay. not added to. They're not subtracted from. Uh, they just get actualized in different ways now uh, uh, once one's become a Christian. Uh, okay. So, so that, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, your experience, I tell students all the time, I used to love playing ice hockey. I got a lot of pleasure out of playing ice hockey. I woke up basically one morning. And I no longer wanted to play ice hockey. Hmm. I just no longer got pleasure from playing ice hockey. Now, the way I look at that is I remained the numerically same self, but my, my capacity to experience pleasure was still there. It just wasn't actualized by something that used to actualize it. And, uh, you know, uh, the truth is, you know, my family, my friends, they thought I was, I had flipped and uh, whacked out in a way because book, <laughs> books started, reading books started to give me pleasure and they've yep. never had really before. Yeah. And, and so the, the capacity to experience pleasure remained. Uh, I didn't acquire some new capacity that way. Uh, yeah. It was just that different things uh, started to actualize it and they never actualized it before.
0: Yeah, that's that. I had a similar uh, situation as well. I I don't think I ever finished a book before, like my junior year of school of of uh, university, and then became Christian. Was like I need to read everything. I, I would skip class to read my Bible. I'd skip class to read apologetics books. Uh, I shouldn't have been skipping class either, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's it's for the Lord. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so, just uh, w-
1: if, if by the way, I yeah. all, uh, if people are going to listen to this. Uh, I have to go see my grandson here pretty soon, so yeah.
0: uh, we got to wind this down here. Because yeah, definitely. I got, I got just like two more for you. okay um, great! So people will will often bring up um, babies doing arithmetic or or advanced, you know, calculus, and it's supposed to be this, you know, it's it's a it's a trope or something. It's like a it's it's a canard of of Uh, substance dualism is what you think a baby can do that and it's it's just the body has to catch up with his capacity in my head um there's this there's this interaction between a soul and a body and um the capacity i guess to do mathematics advanced mathematics is is present but it's just not actualized because it it requires the brain to right and and the experiences right
1: right that's be my view yeah
0: okay all right so take that everyone about the babies and the uh, arithmetic um Then just I wanted to finish up with um, property dualism. Um, Why not go in why go into full-blown substance dualism instead of property dualism?
1: Uh, Because we start with substance dualism. Most property dualists that I know, uh, they think there's some problem for substance dualism, and then they go to property dualism. So my approach on that, Parker, is I start with substance dualism. I need an argument why I need to go to property dualism.
0: That's good. Okay, well, that's awesome. Well, that's it, Doctor Guess. This has been fantastic. I, I, have enjoyed it. I've appreciated you uh, and your our correspondence and your books as well. Um, please, you, you got to come back and talk about meaning sometime. I'll, I'll try and set that I up. I would love to. Okay, awesome.
1: I really would. Awesome. Uh, I think it's, it's another one of these areas. Uh, the ordinary person. I mean, I just pick up. I read the Wall Street Journal a lot, and they just. On a fairly regular basis, have stuff that just touches on purpose and happiness and all this stuff. And uh it's it's an area of philosophy that has been largely neglected mm. by Christian theists. And uh it's it's mind-boggling to try and figure out why. But, yeah. uh, but it has. I'm gonna, you know, just telling you the truth. It has.
0: Yeah. Um, Dr. Getz, for the listeners. How can they get into your stuff on meaning um, so we can change this, uh, circumstances?
1: Uh, well I have a, i wrote a book, uh, oh, golly, seven, eight years ago called the purpose of life. Uh, you, 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 you that, that that's available. Okay. Uh, and then, I don't know, those are have access to journals or whatever. And I've written several, uh, things, uh, uh in, in articles. Uh, I think, uh, the coming out this month, of uh, the Notre Dame uh, philosophy religion center, they send out a yearly publication. Didn't come out the last couple of years because of COVID, but, yeah. uh, two years ago I was at the issue coming out this year. It's a once a year. I think it's called Logoi, or Logoy. Uh, okay. and, uh, I'm one of four contributors on the meaning of life. The issue oh, is, awesome. the, it is on the meaning of life. So, uh, that's not something that can be purchased. I don't think it's just the sender there is sending it out. And uh, so there are four of us in there that are written on the topic, the meaning of life.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, awesome. Uh, so, folks, that's going to gonna have to do it for us for now. But uh, look for a- another episode with Dr. Goetz talking about the meaning of life. Check out his book, The Problem of Life. Check out his stuff on C.S. Lewis. Purpose, especially. Of,
1: life. purpose, purpose of Life. Purpose of Life. There we yeah. go. <laughs> that's important. Life has a lot of problems. I got a lot of problems. <laughs> the book was the, the Purpose of Life. Purpose of Life. There we
0: go. Um, Awesome. That's going to have to do it for us for now, folks. This has been Parker's Pensies. And as always, all glory to God. Amen.